Good evening, this is Caleb Arnd with the Walk with God podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for joining me tonight. Uh, this is the recording for April 27th, 2020, and we're going to be reading from Psalm 97 and 98 tonight. Judges chapter 7 through chapter 8 verse 16, Proverbs chapter 14 verses 7 and 8, and Luke chapter 23 verses 11 through 43, where they are beginning to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Luke. Before we begin our study tonight, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please meet us here where we all are at tonight. Please help us to study your word well. Lord, please give us your wisdom, your understanding, your truth. Please speak your message through your word to our ears, to our hearts. Help us to apply it to our lives, Lord. Help us to understand what you've done, what you've given for us. And help us to know and understand your love that you show for us. Heavenly Father, please help us, if we're not saved, if the listeners are not saved, to trust on you as their Savior. Lord, help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to grow into that spiritual maturity and perfection that you want us to grow into. Help us to do your will, Lord, and to spread your gospel throughout the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Psalm 97 and 98. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 97. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him, righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him, and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world, the earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Psalm 98 O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together. Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Psalm 97 declares the majesty of the Lord, that he reigns, and let all the earth rejoice because of that fact. And it, it, verses 2 through 5 declare his power. His lightnings go before him, fire goes before him, the hills, the very hills and mountains melt like wax at his presence, and the heavens declare his righteousness. All those that are worshipping other things and other idols, they are confounded at him because they are hoping in the wrong things. 
Thou art high above all the earth, verse 9 says. Thou art exalted far above all gods. But he preserves the soul of his saints in verse 10. Ye that love the Lord. Light is sown for the righteous. He sows light for us, for those that trust in him. And we can rejoice in the Lord because of that. Psalm 98, this is declaring to sing unto the Lord a new song. How we are to worship the Lord and all of the earth is to celebrate. Uh, he has remembered Israel. He has remembered Jerusalem. He has remembered those that have trusted in him and placed their faith in him. But he also remembers those in the world, the rest of the world. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Now, I don't know about you, but a normal flood, just water, they don't have hands to clap. And uh, hills can't really be joyful. But those that are in all the rest of the world and all the rest of the nations, which are sometimes pictured as a flood and as the rest of the world and as seas, they can rejoice in the Lord together because he comes to judge the earth with righteousness. He comes to uh, restore and redeem his people that he has saved when they have trusted in him for their salvation. With righteousness shall he judge and the people with equity, which means with judgment, with justice, with fairness and impartiality. Now returning to the book of Judges, we're going to read from chapter 7 through chapter 8, verse 16. Then Jerubael, who was Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be, that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lappeth, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men, but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. So the people took victuals in their hand, and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those three hundred men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Fura thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then went he down with Fura his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. 
And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent, and smote it that it fell, and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel, and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. And he divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand, with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that, as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord, and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and brake the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshittah in Zerarath, and to the border of Abel-Meholah unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of all Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and take before them the waters unto Bethbarah and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together, and took the waters unto Bethbarah and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side Jordan. Chapter 8 And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not, when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezar? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. And Gideon came to Jordan, and passed over, he and the three hundred men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. And he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmana, kings of Midian. And the princes of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmana now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thine army? And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmana unto my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he went up thence to Penuel, and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered him. And he spake also unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmana were in Karkor, and their hosts with them, about fifteen thousand men, all that were left of all the hosts of the children of the 
east, for there fell an hundred and twenty thousand men that drew sword. And Gideon went up by the way of them that dwelt in tents on the east of Noba and Jogbeha, and smote the host, for the host was secure. And when Ziba and Zalmana fled, he pursued after them, and took the two kings of Midian, Ziba and Zalmana, and discomfited all the host. And Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle before the sun was up, and caught a young man of the men of Succoth, and inquired of him, and he described unto him the princes of Succoth, and the elders thereof, even threescore and seventeen men. And he came unto the men of Succoth, and said, Behold, Ziba and Zalmana, with whom ye did upbraid me, saying, Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmana now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thy men that are weary? And he took the elders of the city, and thorns of the wilderness, and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. In chapter 6 of the book of Judges, we had just seen how Gideon had set out a fleece twice uh, to receive confirmation from the Lord that God did not rebuke him for, but that God used to confirm his covenant with Gideon, with his promise with Gideon that he would deliver the Midianites into his hand. In chapter 7, then, Gideon takes all the people that had come unto him of Manasseh and Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali, and the Lord says that there are too many people here for him to deliver the Midianites into their hand. There are too many people from Israel to defeat the enemy. And this is uh, in the human way of thinking. In our human perspective, we're thinking, too many. uh, We're about to see that there's over 100,000 of them, and there's only 30,000 of humans. But with God, one man and God is still an army of God. And it doesn't matter how many men they have. If they have God, he is more than any army. And so God tells Gideon to tell anybody who is too afraid to go into battle to return unto his house or to return unto his possession. And so he does that. And 22,000 of the 30,000 that were there all leave. And that leaves him about 10,000 men. So there were 32,000 before, 22,000 leave, 10,000 left. And the Lord says unto him, there's still too many people. So uh, they go down to the waters. The Lord says, whoever uh, laps as a dog, him shalt thou set by himself. But those who both uh, bow down on both of their knees and drink the water, those will you set over by themselves. And so of those that were kind of like more cautious and they brought the, the water in their hand up to their mouth, uh, those he set by himself, and there were 300 of them. But the, those that dropped down on both of their knees to drink water, those were of the 9,700 other people that he decided that the Lord said to leave by themselves and send back to their tents. And so Gideon takes these 300 men. So out of 32,000 Israelites, Gideon only takes the 300 that God has chosen to use to deliver them, to, to deliver the Midianites into their hands. Gideon is still afraid, so God Uh, tells him and to take his servant with him to go and spy out the enemy camp. They go and do this and they hear a dream that one of the Midianites had uh, had the previous night and he's telling this to their friend, to his friend. And one of the other men gives the interpretation of the dream that this is nothing else but the sword of the Lord. This is uh, the man Gideon, the son of Joash, and God hath delivered Midian and, and all of the host into his hand. And so Gideon hears this, and it's the perfect encouragement. How many times does that happen to us where we get the perfect encouragement? That just the thing, just the saying that we needed to have at just the right time from the Lord. Gideon uses this encouragement, and he goes back, and he prepares all his 300 men, 
giving each man a, a trumpet for his right hand, a torch in his left hand, and it tells them, okay, do exactly what I do. And so they go up in midnight when everybody is dead asleep, when the watch has just been changed, when the previous watch is really tired, when the new watch is really alert, everybody's moving, there's a lot of confusion possibly um, going on right now, they don't know exactly maybe what have been happening from the previous watch, and so Gideon uses this time, and he uh, breaks the jars that all of the torches were hidden in, and all of the men do the same. And he blows his trumpet, all the men do the same. And he, they all cry, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, using the fear that the Midianite host had of Gideon and of the Lord and of the sword of the Lord, who is Gideon. And so they all cry and they shout and they blow the trumpets and they show the torches and they flash them around. And all of the host of Midian goes crazy. They go absolutely insane with the fear that comes on them that was inspired by the Lord and the extra fear that the Lord sends upon them. And they start uh, hacking and slashing one another because they think that the entire host of the Israelites is now in their camp. And so the different tribes and different areas and peoples from the Midianites and those of the, the Amalekites and the children of the east, they're all fighting against one another now. And then all of the host of the Midian begins to flee and to run away and try to escape. So Gideon sends back to all of Asher and all of Naphtali and all of Manasseh, telling to uh, guard the crossing, the, uh, the border points and the crossing points of the Jordan River, and to chase after and to destroy all the rest of the host of the Midianites. And then he also calls and sends messengers unto the tribe of Ephraim and tells them uh, that the Midianites are fleeing, and so they go and they go guard the borders and their crossing points of the Jordan River, and they capture Oreb and Zeb, the two kings of the Midianites. Midianites, the two princes of the Midianites, and they kill them and deliver them into the hand. Then the, uh, in chapter 8, the men of Ephraim, they confront Gideon saying, why didn't you call us before? And so uh, Gideon says, you are the ones who killed the princes of Midian. You are the ones who have the most glory in this battle. What have I done in comparison to you? Giving them praise and honor and avoiding a conflict and contention with them. And so after that, Gideon goes and he crosses the Jordan and with the 300 men that were with him. And so they asked for food and for water from Succoth and from Penuel. And neither of these cities give them any bread, any water, anything for their men that are weary and faint from this battle. And instead, Gideon, they continue to go on. And they finally, they come to these areas east of the Jordan River to Noba and Jogbaha. And they smote the host of the Midianites there. And they, uh, Deziba and Zalmana are delivered into the hand of Gideon along with all of the host of the Midianites. So Gideon takes Zeba and Zalmana, the two kings of the Midianites, and he brings them back to Succoth and Penuel and shows them, these are the men that you said that I did not have in my hand. Well, now I have them in my hand. Then he takes the 77 elders of the city of Succoth and whips them with the thorns and briars that were found in the wilderness to teach them a lesson of discipline and not to rebel and reject against the anointed, the judge that the Lord has appointed to deliver the people of Israel. Okay, now we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 14, and we're going to read from verses 7 and 8. So if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. 
the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way but the folly of fools is deceit so when we come across men or women or people in our life in general that are not knowledgeable that are not wise that are not caring that are not prudent that are not doing the right thing or that are not saying the right thing when you see and understand that they do not have the lips of knowledge they are not teaching well they are not teaching goodness but they are teaching evil or iniquity or just foolishness then proverbs is teaching us here that we are to go from their presence that means that we are to leave from them we are to walk away from them we are not to stay and listen to and learn from their foolishness we are to avoid and to leave their foolishness the wisdom of the prudent those that are wisely cautious is to understand his way a man that is wise a man that will is knowledgeable he is looking to where he is going where he's come from and understand maybe some of the mistakes that he's made in the past understand what the lord wants him to do in the future to correct his way and to uh, rely on the lord for his spirit to lead us but the folly of fools is deceit the folly the trap uh, the tripping the trapping the uh, stumbling block of fools is to be deceived by themselves or by others uh, either jumping at any foolish suggestion and thinking that it might be wise and not looking to it first not trying to find out the truth to it first or uh, deceiving themselves by their own self-deceit that what they've been doing all along is the right time when it actually is not and just refusing to learn the truth let's be wise let's look to our ways let's make sure that our ways are pleasing unto the lord that we are doing the right thing and honoring and glorifying the lord with all that we do now we're going to turn to the book of luke we're going to read from chapter 23 verse 11 through verse 43 chapter 23 verse 11 and Herod with his men of war set him at naught, and mocked him, and arrayed him a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, and the rulers, and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me, as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I have examined him before you, have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him, and release him. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city, and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them, but they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him, and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people, and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, 
Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Here in verses 11 and 12, the book of Luke chapter 23, we see that Herod and his soldiers mocked the Lord, and then they put him in a gorgeous robe, it says, in a purple robe, and they sent him back to Pilate. Pilate then, as being ruler over all of Judea and all of this area, after examining Jesus, found him at no fault, at nothing deserving any type of death or mortal punishment, but the Jews, the priests, the chief, the rulers of the people, they were uh, unswerving in their determination that Jesus Christ was a threat to their power, to their rule, to their positions of authority and of honor and of uh, religion in this world. And they wanted a religion. They wanted people to worship them and to honor and respect and reverence them, but they did not want a Christ. They did not want a savior. Pilate was willing to just chastise him, to punish him, to just try to appease some of their bloodlust and then to send him from them that he did not have to put an innocent man to die, but they demanded that they release to them a murderer instead. And at this time, at the Passover, each year, Pilate, because of their uh, religious feast and their religious ceremonies, would release to them one prisoner each year. And instead of releasing the innocent, the guilty got to go free. Oh, how that is a sign and how that is a symbol of our freedom that the Lord has given unto us. The guilty, the condemned, those that would die have been set free by his blood and by his sacrifice. He has gone in their place. He has gone in our place to pay for our sin and for our death. But they cried the more, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. In verse 21, Pilate, willing to release Jesus, spake unto them, but they denied him. And the voices of them, of the people, and of the chief priests, in verse 23, prevailed, demanding for the crucifixion of the Messiah. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. In Matthew, we also see that he said that he washed his hands of this 
sin, of this sign, of this blood, and the blood of the people. They declared the people that his blood would be on their hands. And even though Pilate washed his hands symbolically, he is not free from sin and guilt unless he trusts on the Lord Jesus Christ. He released unto them uh, Barabbas, the man that was wanted and uh, prisoned for murder and for sedition. In verse 26, we see that they compelled Simon the Cyrenian to carry the cross all the way from Jerusalem up to the Mount of Calvary, where they were going to crucify Jesus. In verse 28, the people, the women, were bewailing and lamenting him and crying for him that he was about to die. But he turns and he says unto them, Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children for behold the days are coming that they will say they will say blessed be the barren blessed those are those that never even had children they shall begin to say to the mountains fall on us and to the hills cover us and we see part of this was fulfilled when Rome in AD 70 destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and did not even leave any more stones upon one stone upon another in the temple and how many of the Jews and of those of Israel were killed and destroyed destroyed in this destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 as well. Then in verse 33, they crucify the Messiah. They crucify Jesus, the Christ, the Lord, who has come to uh, pay this payment on this cross. Here is the culmination of all of the sin, all of the guilt, all of pain, all of everything and suffering, all here at this point for sin and he is dying and what does he say what are, what are the first words that he says unto them father forgive them for they know not what they do here at the pinnacle of his suffering on this earth the lord the christ he's not calling for judgment he's not calling for woe he's not uh, ridiculing and he's not cursing he's not shouting or screaming in anger or pain at the people he is revealing the heart of his purpose and of his ministry for the forgiveness of sins for the hearts of the people to be turned to the father to be turned to him the savior and to be saved and to be forgiven of their sins and what's the immediate effect what do they hear what does he hear he sees and he hears those beholding him and deriding him and ridiculing him, saying, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God, let him save himself. He saved others. And if thou be the king of the Jews, the soldiers mocking him, save thyself. And even the malefactors, even those that were condemned to die, that were crucified beside him, one of them mocking him said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Take us down from this cross with you as you save yourself. But the other rebuked him and saying, he doesn't deserve to be here. He doesn't. He didn't do anything that deserves this punishment of death. But we do. We deserve this payment and this punishment. And that is the point that we, as human beings, need to come to. To realize our sin guilt uh, that we deserved to be on that cross. But God... He sent his son to pay that payment for us instead of us going there. We indeed justly, the malefactor said, that is justice. That would be justice. Thank God. Thank the Lord that we don't have to pay justice, that we don't get justice because that is justice. But we get mercy and grace. And he asked and he prayed the Lord Jesus, remember me 
when thou comest into thy kingdom. This was not some fancy prayer. This was not some prayer that was long or eloquent. It was just simple, and it was purposeful. And the Lord heard and promised that, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not next week, not uh, putting off anything, anything. You're not going to purgatory. You're not going somewhere else. Today you will be with me in paradise. Likewise, we'll hear a another pleasant promise from the Apostle Paul that to be absent from the body, to die, and to be removed from this world is to be present with the Lord. And we can know now that we have eternal life. We will ever be with him when we pass from this world, if we pass from this world. Because the next thing that is in line for the next Thing to happen on the prophetic timeline is the return of the Lord to call his own, the believers, unto himself. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. But until then, let's remember the price that our Savior has paid for us so that we can be like this sinner on the cross that has been saved from his eternal death that has been saved from hell, that even if this body should perish, we will have a glorified body that shall never perish, where we will be ever with the Lord. Friend, thank you for studying the Word of God with me today. I hope it has been a blessing for you. And if you have any praises or prayer requests, please send them to me. I'd love to pray with you for them at wwgcaleb at gmail.com. That's wwgcaleb at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to look for those and to pray with you for them. Thanks once again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk With God podcast.